guys. You can have a seat. And how are we doing? All right. All right. All right. That's what I like to hear. Um, so as uh, now that I've been doing this a little while, um, one of the um, top questions, maybe the top question, I don't know, that I've gotten over the years is, Pastor Jamie, are we living in the last days? Is this it? Right when we did the summer, like uh, you can submit topics for um, other people than me to preach. Uh, uh, there was, you know, end times, revelation. When I used to do uh, our Sunday school for our teens way back in the day, I would tell them, "You guys can pick whatever, just not revelation." All right, because you always want to go there, right? You always want to go to that. So, so the question is, are we in the last days? I don't want to bury the lead. All right, so I'm going to answer that for you. Are we in the last days? Answer: Yes. You're dismissed. No, I'm kidding. Don't get excited, especially, right? Um, the more important question that we deal with is what's going to happen? What happens in these last days? What can we expect? And so uh, I have one of my favorite props. I don't bring it around as much because it hurts my back. But I think it's really helpful as we, we look at what happens. Some of you will remember this one. This is the throne of my life. All right? Now, every one of us has one of these. Not at home, I don't think. Hopefully, you have a little, you sit and your kids pay homage to you. I doubt that, right? If anything, they sit in it, all right? Uh, but the, the question that we ask whenever we bring this up is, is ultimately somebody, something, but usually it's a somebody, sits on that. Where the aim of my life, the aim of, 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 of who I'm trying to please the most, right, is that who is on the throne of my life. And it's a constant struggle. I think, at least for me, and I'm pretty sure from the feedback I've gotten from all of us, daily to not want to do this, right? I got this, God. I got this. The throne of our life and the, 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 the battle with who's really Lord over it. Now, this came about this week anyway, interestingly, um, I typically will do a lot of the study of the passage. I have all the notes. I have, like, understand it fully. And it's usually Friday. Uh, I'll usually work from home without interruption so I can kind of craft what I think hopefully that God wants you to get. And usually the problem for me, I know this is going to be really hard for you to uh, understand, um, is what do I leave out? Because <laughs> I can't preach for three hours, right? Even though it seems like that sometimes, I don't. And, and so that's usually the problem. And we, and uh, Heather was home from, she didn't have to work Friday, and we prayed in the morning about like, all right, God would, would, would click that into what, what ultimately he wants from this, right? So I was expecting it, boom, to click. And it just was like, I had nothing. I knew what the passage meant. I knew like, but I wasn't just going to be like, hey, it's the last days, it's really dark, have hope, amen. I wanted a little bit more than that. And um, so I was pacing my yard. I was at one point, I was sitting in the middle of my yard in uh, a lawn chair with my somewhat overweight cat, Poppy, on top of me. And Grace was, uh, has her final, so she was home. Later that night, she's like, Dad, I was looking outside, saw you, like, is that what we do when we're working from home? Like, we just sit uh, I was praying, Grace, all right? I was praying. And, and really what I was actually thinking when I was sitting there was, all right, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I have 27 hours till 5 o'clock Saturday. All right, don't panic. Don't panic. And um, in that struggle, I was not planning. I had other things. I was thinking, I was, th this didn't make a lot of sense to me, but God kept putting this on my heart. So I was like, all right, how does this work? And I started looking at the passage through the lens of the throne of my life, and I said, that's exactly it. In the last days, 
more and more individuals are going to sit on the throne of their own life, meaning it's about me. And imagine when more than one person in a family, the majority of people in a family live that way. What happens? That family burns to the ground. Imagine if the majority of the people in a town or a city live this way. What happens? Imagine the majority of the people in a country or a people group or a civilization. Imagine the majority of the people and more and more and more live this way. I'm on the throne of my life. It's about me. In the world, what's going to happen is what we see is darkness spreads. All kinds of evils go. And so our job is to not contribute to that, to actually get off, right? So we've been talking, and that's how we'll settle today, about how Paul's writing to Timothy to press on despite the difficulties. And so here's what I want you to remember, okay, is our, um, the ability for us to press on is to get off. Easy to remember, right? To press on, get off. Get off that throne and let Jesus be there. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Oh, Lord, you brought so many of us here right now, also with us online, with all kinds of stuff, good, bad, and everywhere in between. And, Lord, I know some of those things, but you know all of those things. You know it better than even we do. You know what's going to happen to us when we leave here. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so, God, I pray that your word of truth would impact each soul made in your image that's with us this morning in a profound way that changes us for another degree of glory towards Christ. And, Lord, the struggle of that throne of who's really God of my life, may it always be you, Jesus. We praise you and we give this to you in your name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. So uh, we are in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. If you want to follow along or open your Bibles or turn them on or whatever yours is, you can do that. You can use our pew Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, uh, pl- please feel free or you know someone who doesn't to take one of those black one, uh, hardbound copies and give it away or keep it for yourself. By the way, next weekend, Father's Day weekend, uh, is uh, another baptism, so I'm super excited. We just had one. I, my prayer is that we have it, I said it at the nine every day. I don't know about that, but I'll do that if that's what it takes, but uh, that would be great. But um, we, we started with a couple of people. It's up to, I think, eight or nine, which is awesome. I've been praying for double figures, so if you're out there going, I need to be baptized. So if God's stirring that up when you see me, we can still squeeze you in, no problem. I'm happy to have you be a part of that. Um, so... Uh, it, it, as, as we've looked in the series, we've been going verse by verse. Remember, Paul's in prison. He's in chains. It's a sober letter. He's writing to Timothy. He was in Ephesus. We've seen, especially the last couple of weeks, Paul's kind of turned his attention in the letter to what's going on in Ephesus, the church there. A lot of false teachers sort of leading people astray, outside of truth. And it's obviously very hard for Timothy. And so Paul's kind of encouraging him, right? And so that uh, flows into him talking. Hey, Timothy, it's his way of encouraging. In the beginning, it doesn't sound so encouraging. But to say, this is the last days, right? In, in verse 1, it says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. In English, that word difficulty is kind of like, oh, difficulty. It's actually, in the Greek, it means layers and layers and layers of burdens. That sounds more like it, doesn't it? Like, keeps piling up. And so maybe Timothy would say, well, Paul, are we in the last days? Just like I answered the question, Paul would say, yes. And so you might say, well, Jamie, Paul was 2,000 years ago. He said, yes, we're still in the last days. The answer, yes. The uh, Peter of Pentecost He quoted the prophet Joel, and he said, 
that this is the last days. The question is, how long will the last days go, right? But we are in the last days because there's nothing more for God to accomplish in his redemptive plan. It's finished, his work in Christ. And so now we wait for his people to come to him and for Jesus to return the last days. So, just like them, and for us, this happens. So I think that this, we can expect this to happen because it's the last days. I think um, uh, the, 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 then the big question then becomes usually more when people ask it to me, it's like, well, is this the end of the last days? That's what you really want to know. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus said he didn't even know, at least when he was in the flesh, right, when he was walking among us. He's like, angels don't know, only the Father knows, right? So Jesus taught a lot. There are signs, and we should look at those signs. But there's a reason why Jesus always taught about the signs, including what we read in this passage, to recognize what the last days are going to look like. And it was always two, uh, at least two-pronged that I see it. It's number one, face the last days as you get closer to the end. And I do believe this passage and others teaches us that it gets worse and worse and worse. Face it with hope and be ready. Be ready. That's the, most, that's the biggest key. Are you ready? I can remember Jesus' parable, the ten, what we see as ten virgins, but it's really just maidens who are, 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 are waiting for the bridegroom to come at a wedding. And Jesus in that parable, he's the bridegroom. And, and there, there's ten of them, and they fall asleep because he's delayed, which teaches us that the end comes further than we really want, right? And they fall asleep. But then when he comes, they wake up, and five of them have the oil to light their torch to be ready. And the other five are like, oh, no. And they can't borrow any from the other five. They go back to get some. By the time they return... The bridegroom has come, the feast is happening, and the doors are shut. They weren't ready. So Jesus' whole point is not, you know, to get the maps out and say, oh, who's the Antichrist? Is it the Pope? Is it Hitler? Is it Elon Musk? Who is it, right? Like all kinds of theories. And, and that's not the point. The point is be ready. And part of the, be, the aspect of be ready is get off this throne. Let Jesus be on it, and you'll be ready. You'll be ready. So he, he's going to give us, in, starting in verse 2, going through verse 4 or 5, really, especially 4, a whole list. I'm going to like, go through them kind of quickly, but I want you to see it from the context of if more and more and more people are saying, it's about me, this is what happens. And you might recognize some of these things going on in our world today. For people will be lovers of self. Well, there you go. If I love self, I'm on the throne. And therefore, lovers of money. Well, of course. Money buys me stuff. It pleases me. And it's about me. Proud. I'm on the throne. It's me. Arrogant. Well, I'm on the throne, so I'm better than you. Abusive. That's words of, of, of slander and treacherous words. Disobedient to their parents. That's an interesting one. Well, because the more and more you're on the throne of your own life, Nobody has charge over you. You're king. You're queen. And the first people God puts in charge of you are who? Parents. And then it goes from there. And if you don't obey your parents, you're not going to obey your boss. You're not going to want to obey anyone who's been over you because it's about me. Any of this look familiar to you at all? Ungrateful. Why would I be grateful to you? You should serve me. I'm the king. Unholy. God is holy. And so if God's not on the throne, everything happening is the opposite. It's un. Holy, right? He continues that list. He says, heartless, unappeasable. I mean, you can't satisfy. It's insatiable. Slanderous. It comes from the Greek word diabolo, which is where we get demon or the devil. 
This means to falsely accuse. And so you remember who's really behind all of this. Without self-control. <laughs> what am I going to control? My, I'm not sacrificing me. I can do what I want. Because I'm the king. I'm not on the throne. Brutal. That means animalistic. Or instinctive. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. And you're not going to stop me. And you better be okay with it. Not loving good. <laughs> Because I love myself. Treacherous, that means to be traitorous, right? Someone back, backstabbing, backbiting. Reckless, swollen with conceit. And here it is again. It kinda, he kind of bookends it so we really see. That's why I saw, God put that on my heart, that, that throne, right? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, right? So get off the throne, God. It's about me and how I feel. And as long as God is embracing how I feel and what I like, we're good. It sounds like I then would want God to worship me, right? Rather than me, worship him. And finally, he kind of hinges to the next section, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. The most dangerous ones that sit on their throne are the ones that do it disguised in religion and religiosity. People like the Pharisees who Jesus said, you're like a washed on the outside cup, but inside you're rotten. Right? Or even all the way back to the Old Testament days, 7th century B.C., when Amos the prophet, he, he said, hey, there's been a rise in religion in Israel, and there's also been a rise in injustice. How can that be? True religion loves the poor and the downtrodden and the broken because that's the God we serve. But when it's disguised, it lifts up the rich and the preferred, right? And so all, like, like really this, this whole point of that first five verses is, is a, a couple things within this. First, expect it. Expect a Christless world to get dark. It makes sense. And I say that because I do. I run into believers all the time. They're like, I can't believe what's happening out there. Why not? The more people that aren't uh, with the gospel and with God, they're going to sit on their own throne of their own life, and it's going to be about them, and you're going to see it get darker and darker and darker. Like I um, got this little light for you, right? So imagine, I've been reading um, in the Gospel of John uh, personally, and of course, that's where you see this imagery the most. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. The light comes into the world, the, the dark, to shatter the darkness, the light of life, the light of men, all over and over again. And so the more your, your Christ is on the throne of your life, you're closer to the light. But if you're like, no, nah, I don't want that, and you go this way, you're going further into What? darkness. It's not going to get kind of light over here. It just gets darker and darker and darker and darker. And that's what we see, right? That's what we see. We have to be careful about looking at it through the lens of American Christianity and saying, man, things were great and now they're not. It must be the end. If you look from Paul, from really from Jesus' day on, even before that, but the whole last days, it's example after example of this. But does it worsen? Do we expect it to? Yes. Now, that doesn't mean I ask you to be Eeyore. It's all horrible. Just going to expect it. I don't care. Like, no. We, we have hope because Christ is coming again. Come, Lord Jesus, today and deal with it. We know we will. We know the victory is in him. And we have hope. And we're ready. And we have hope. And we're ready. My aim always that is, is first and foremost, as I lead 
help to lead this church as I, as I preach to you, even right now, is to honor Jesus, first and foremost. But I am stubbornly and um, wholeheartedly, purposefully all about you. You're who I care about. My calling is not the world. Not yet, I don't know. My calling is you. And that's important. God has, has, has put that responsibility, not just me alone, but that's who I care about, right? So I care about your soul, how it affects you. So sometimes people will, and I think it's feedback. I don't really look at it as criticism. They're like, Jamie, why don't you talk more about what's going on out there, you know? And I'm like, because I don't really care. I expect it. If some secular organization is running from Jesus and doing stuff that we disagree with, why would I get angry with that? Like, I expect that. That's not my job. My job is to share with you the things that will help your soul, who you are, where you're at. And, and so I'll talk about things going out in the world. I talk about pornography all the time, don't I? I don't get a lot of requests for pornography. I wonder why. They want us to shake our fists at Target or Bud Light. I'm not shaking my fist even at the porn industry. I expect them to be evil. I expect it. But I talk about it because I know how much it harms people within the church. And I hate that. I love you too much. And I want what God wants for you. And so what we talk about is expect it. Don't shake your fist at it. Expect it. And be careful that you're not participating in it without knowing. Right? Because the more we struggle with this, my money, my time, my pleasure, it's about me. Oh, no, 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 on Sunday, it's about you, Jesus, it's about you. Monday, oh, it's about, hey, I'll be the first to admit it's a struggle for me every day. If anyone here came to Christ, and ever since then, Jesus has always been on the throne, and you've never struggled with that, I want to talk to you after, because i got to know your secret. Because the rest of us, we're constantly like, no, 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 and that's why you can't sleep, it's why you're anxious, you're trying to control a situation at work or with your kids, I got this, I got this, and the Lord says, you make a terrible God. But I love you, but you make us horrible God, so do I. You can't wake up late, you can't find your car keys, am I the only one? Every day, where are my glasses, right? Walk into a room and I'm like, why did I walk in here? And I want to be on the throne of my life? No wonder why I'm constantly like, right? My blood pressure is up. But when I finally just say, Jesus, you're Lord, man. You're Lord. You got my kids. I have a job to do within that. I'm not just going to be passive. But you're the one that's sovereign. The more we do that, the more it fights against the darkness and the evil that we see in the last days. I saw a theologian compare it to a porcupine. I thought it was cool. Porcupines, they roll in on themselves, and then they get to enjoy the warm, soft underbelly. Everyone who's on the outside gets pricked. And that's what happens when we do this. It's about me. Oh, I'm so comfortable. And everyone else gets pricked. But the more we make it about Jesus, the more we can pray for those who persecute us. We can love our enemies. We can say, hey, man, it's not about me anyway. It didn't go my way. That stinks. It hurts. But you know what? God's got a plan. I trust him. It's a constant battle, but it's a battle worth fighting every moment of every day. Now, verse 5, we saw he's going to turn the corner here and say the most dangerous is when it sneaks within the church. Right? If you remember two, year, two weeks ago, the title of the message was The Danger Within. 
You have to be careful. When this kind of stuff is disguised in religion, it happened then in Ephesus, it happens today. I mean, I, I apologize in advance for this illustration, by the way, especially for those of you that are going to eat lunch later. Um, but if I'm in, in my house and I'm looking out and someone is like, hey, let me in. Jamie, I, I have a big bag of human feces here. See, sorry about that. But I wanted to wake you up a little bit. Would I let them in? <laughs> no. I'd be like, hey, you put that away somewhere. You take a shower and take another shower. And then you can come in, right? Because I see it, I identify it. Okay, it's on the outside. Now, when I was in college, my freshman year, you kind of know where this is going, probably. I had a few upperclassmen that lived on our floor, and they were always doing stuff to cause problems for us. Um, they've matured sort of since, I think. Um, but they, they came to our, our door one day and knocked on the door, and they said, hey, we couldn't finish this pizza. You guys want it? And my roommate was hungry. He was always hungry. And he grabbed the box of pizza. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, 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 whoa. We know these guys. They're kind of big dudes. They never not finish a pizza. That's what I've ever seen. And they're not the share type. And they definitely wouldn't share with us. I'd be careful. And my roommate opened it up. And he gagged and he ran and ran to the nearest dumpster. You can imagine what's in there. Disguised by pizza. That is what we have to be looking out for in the last days. What did Jesus say? He said, many will come in my name saying they're me. Do not hear them know my voice. He said, many will fall away. Many will run away. Because it won't be cool to be a Christian anymore. And so Paul says to Timothy, the situation in Ephesus, Ephesus, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. I want to be very clear. This isn't saying all women are weak or that this is only a woman problem. I've known many men who have that very issue. This was very specific to Ephesus. If there was some, maybe there were widows. They were probably wealthier because, well, you can pray on They also have cash to pay me, that kind of thing. But the problem is that they are burdened with sins and easily incited to experience and passion. And so these false teachers creeped in, right? And they, we don't know what they said, but they taught and they gave ways most likely to work off their sin that wasn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe they explained it away and said, oh, your sins are fine. God loves you just the way you are. Maybe they did that. We don't know. But they liked it because it enticed, they were so burdened with their sin. And they were excited by passionate new truth. And Paul says in verse 7, he says, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. So constantly, tell me more. But the truth of the gospel completely absent. He gives it a great illustration from the Old Testament. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. So, in early Christianity and Judaism as well, they named the magicians that fought against Moses in the Exodus story, if you remember that, the ten plagues. 
In the Bible, we don't have names, but that's who they're referring to, who he's referring to. And so if you remember that story, especially the early plagues, like God's power through Moses makes these plagues and judgment, right, on, on, on Pharaoh and Egypt. And then these magicians are like, we can do that. We got power too. It's outside of God, right? Opposed God, opposed truth, and they kind of copied a little bit. It kind of lasted until about the boils where they just had nothing and they were just scratching their own boils on their skin. And so Paul says, just like that, the false teachers in Ephesus, and that's what happens to us today, they sneak in, they oppose truth, they try to copy God, but in the end, it's found out because it isn't true. And so we expect not just the darkness, but we expect it to infiltrate the church. It dresses up like religion. And now we're not necessarily the gods of, you know, of, of, uh, to, to judge people and where they're at. And that's hard to do sometimes. But we do need to be very careful. Uh, there was a way back, a number of years ago, Heather and I, when we were living in Douglas, we had for a couple of years, we had um, some next-door neighbors. They were nice people. They had kids kind of our age. We weren't friends, but they were Christians. They went to church. It wasn't our church. Um, and we would have dinner with them here and there, and it was fine. Um, and, and, and they were nice, but I always noticed, like, the wife especially, but both of them, she was always off on some new experience, a new thing that God was doing. And it was just like, it seemed very, but I'm also not, you know, just, I was like, all right, maybe that's just working for her. And I didn't really think too much about it. We went our, they moved away, we moved away. Um, a couple of years ago, we got thinking about them, and Heather kind of Facebook stalked her, you know, uh, that you can do. And found out that she's currently a witch practicing witchcraft. She was teaching children's church in her church at the time, 15 years ago. And so what I kind of saw in that, and that's you just got to be careful. It doesn't mean you're like, I don't think you're really a Christian. Like it just, but but you got to be wary of it because it can entice. So there's dressed up like religion to to that w- what we can identify is even though they're religious, they usually lead us to a path where we sit on the throne of our own life. Right, something like, hey, uh, you can work off your sin if you do this, if you go to church, if you right, do my system of, of religion, and it, and it pushes the gospel out, and now my salvation's up to me. Or, like what might have been happening, we see this all the time, is, hey, God loves you just the way you are. He, he accepts all the stuff about you. God doesn't judge you. I mean, are we reading different Bibles? Right, like, God does love you enough to change you to be the person he's made you to be, not the person that you are demanding him to affirm. But the more you sit on the throne of your life, you see now not just the world, but but whole dressed up in religiosity saying, yeah, God worships you. They don't say it like that, but that's how it's packaged. So it will oppose truth. It's not the truth we read in the scriptures. The twist scriptures. It'll use passages out of context. It will use, um, it'll copy God like uh, Egypt, like that happened with the magicians. It'll say things like, um, you know, uh, Jesus, and it'll use uh, terms and, and Bible passages, but it's not the truth. And so, our job is not to hole up and be like, don't let anyone in. They might be in disguise. It's to study the voice of Jesus to not just, to, to yes, read our Bibles, but to grow in knowing who he is. He says, if you know my voice, all people who know my voice, you will not be led astray. He will preserve you. 
And so our job is to recognize it, but even if I feel alone, to press on by getting off. And you're going to feel alone. Gosh, Jesus said, right? (laughs) He said, expect it. We're about to see. Expect persecution. It persecuted me. If they embrace you, he says the world embraces its own. It's a bad sign if you're with the cool club. It's a bad sign if you're at the popular table in the world. Because that's the, the, the many. And, and, man, it's hard for us, right? Like, you remember when you were a kid, the first, probably the first rem- uh, memory is one of your parents saying, if Jimmy and Johnny jumped off the bridge, would you? And you're like, yeah, I would, because I'd rather jump off a bridge than be left alone. Right? I'd rather jump off a bridge and be left alone. Then you become a teenager and then you become an adult and nothing changes. It's hard, right? That's why we gather together because it's hard to feel alone and feel like everyone is embracing this. Everyone is doing this. And you're asking me to be left over here where the stones are going to hit me. And the answer is yes, press on. Press on. And that's exactly how he finishes the thought to Timothy. He says, this is what's going on out there in the last days. But you... And I want you to fill your name. If you're a believer, I want you to fill your name. You, however, have followed my teachings. So the teachings of Scripture, the truth, my conduct. So it's not just Bible knowledge, it's Bible life. My aim in life, my faith, my patience, my agape love, my steadfastness. Right? This is what you do. My persecutions and sufferings. And then he gives him an example that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Look at that again. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. That's the key. He gives an example. He could give a lot of examples from his life. He actually gives an example of his first missionary journey with Barnabas. You can read about in the book of Acts. And it's funny because Timothy wasn't on board yet, but he lived, he actually, his hometown was Lystra. So maybe, I like to think maybe he witnessed what happened. We don't know. But, but for some reason, Paul uses that as an example. And if you remember, he, was, he, he and Barnabas were getting pushed out of, uh, they got pushed out of Antioch, they got pushed out of Iconium, and finally at Lystra, the persecutors get to him. They hate Paul, they hate the gospel, they don't want it, right? And so they just literally begin, like a mob, throwing stones at Paul, hitting him on the head. The eyes are shut closed. The hitting them in the ankles, the knees, stone after stone after stone. And they didn't stop because of the, they were felt guilty or felt kind. They stopped because they thought he was dead. Left in an alleyway thinking, finally that guy is dead. He's the enemy. And they walk away and they didn't realize that he still was alive. And Paul gets up, brushes himself off, and walks back in to the city. <laughs> That's perseverance. That is endurance. That is him saying, I will not give in because the Lord is on my throne. And he says, Timothy, that's going to be you. I'm going to die in prison. He's expecting that. Which That's got to be you. You you, got to keep going. And 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 he finishes the thought this way. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Guess what? I think that's a lot of us. So he's, in, he's not saying, you may like, well, that's Paul. That's, a, you know, that's Paul. That's not me. Well, he just says, just in case you were thinking that, all who desire to live a godly life. So if you want godliness, you want to have Jesus on your throne, you're going to be persecuted. You're going, not maybe, not, hope, not necessarily every day, but it's going to happen. And he says, 
while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. It will grow worse and worse and worse and worse. It will spread. Like he said, we saw in the passage early, uh, last week, I think, like gangrene. But I want you to notice that. The people who are deceiving, they're also being deceived. There's nothing more dangerous than lies when people truly believe it's true. They stoned Paul because they really believed he was the enemy. They were deceived. And so, who's really behind all of this? The deceiver. (laughs) The father of lies. The enemy of God. Trapping people away from God. Expect it to grow. Expect it, but we are to press on. We kind of expect persecutions, right? Expect the stonings are going to come, but press on. Press on. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. It is hard, but it's worth it. Why? Remember, the Lord rescued me from all. And so the, the question that I want to end with for all of us, me included, is where are, you, uh, where, where, where are you climbing back on the throne? Where's the struggle right now? Right? Like follow the money trail, <laughs> Is it for my pleasure, my life, me, 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 me? Or is it about the Lord, my time, my behavior, my affections, right? Is it about like, and that's why, if you get in my way, if it's about me, I'm going to trample, I'm going to trample you. I'm going to prick you, just like the porcupine. But the more it's about Jesus, the more it's like I can pray for those who hurt me and I can, I can bring humility, not pride. All of that says, Jesus, you take it. <laughs> Just breathe. God's mercies are new every morning. It's okay. You are struggling. Admit it. There are areas of your life where it just, it's easy to come to the church and go, no, Jesus is on the throne. Okay. All right. That's good. But where is that? You just need to be like, ah, ah, right? We all do it. Just confess it to him. Say, Jesus, I don't want it anyway. How am I going to control this situation? I'm not God. And if I was, I would screw it up. I'd be a terrible God. But you got it. You know it. You have it. It's your plan. It's your will. Breathe. Patience comes with following Jesus. Humility. Putting others first. Saying, oh, it's about you. And watch what happens. We don't contribute to the darkness of the last days. We actually are used by him to push against it. And suddenly life comes. And light comes, and we impact the world for him. Watch how he will use you if you let him be on the throne. So I want to pray for you on this very specifically. Father, I pray that you would reveal the areas of our lives, me included, that we're just keep taken back from you, trying to be in charge of. Reveal them to us, Lord. And Lord, would you just give us the beautiful, gracious forgiveness found in Jesus that we can just say no more. Give us the strength to not pick it up as we leave here today. Lord, I especially pray for those who walked in not without you, Jesus, on their throne of their life. But something is stirred in them 
you've stirred in them. Oh, Lord, help them to see that it's so wearying, so wearying to try to be God, to try to be in control, to try to make life all of it. It's just so exhausting, unfulfilling. Help them to see that, Lord, so they might know that you, you are king, you are Lord. Give them the faith to believe. Repent of sin and believe you are the light of the world. Lord, I pray you'd encourage us. It's dark out there. And it hurts. It makes us crazy sometimes. We just want to shut the doors and never go back out again. But Lord, you've called us to go out with the light of life, and I pray that you would encourage us to expect it, but expect it with hope and expect it with readiness. And oh Lord, we pray, come soon. Come soon. Make us ready. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those who can, let's stand and sing.